love riding my bike. I love running. I don't care what they think about it. I love it. At that point, when I knew I was going to win, chills just went up and down my entire body. I don't believe there are any good or bad foods. Food is food. I still feel so passionate about getting that record that I'm like, I'm just going to do it. As an athlete, I was like, what's my story or what's your story? What can you learn from it? And what can you teach people? Welcome to the Iron Woman podcast. I'm Haley Chura. I'm joined by Alyssa Gadeski. Alyssa, there are a lot of races happening over the next week or so. And I think we can count, we can count your race in there too. I mean, can we call this race week because your, your race like lasts almost a week? (laughs) Kind of, I believe, I mean, my race is in the 10 day forecast now. So then it definitely counts, I think as race week and um, you know, since I will be bowing out of the podcast recording for next week because we record on Mondays and my race starts Tuesday. So it runs like Tuesday to Thursday. So, um, if for me, yeah, I'm, I'm all in on this being my race week. I travel tomorrow. I am packed. I am, this is, this is full on race week for me. Okay. What is your, what's your route? What's your travel route to, um, cause you are, you were going from Vermont to Sweden and, but you're like all over Sweden. So like what part of Sweden, where are you going? And in case our listeners, you know, in case we have new listeners, you are training for the one water. Uh, is it, it's race? a swim run race. Technically, is that mm-hmm. the category it would fall in? Yeah, um, I think so. <laughs> we're swimming and running extreme swim run. <laughs> yeah. Like adventure race of swimming and running only. Um, And so, so yeah, travel is always kind of complicated getting anywhere from Vermont, but it starts, I do the three hour bus ride to Boston. And then I'm doing a red eye from Boston to London and then a little bit of a layover. I always get nervous about bags in London. So I picked the longer layover to like, give me a little bit more of hope for my bag. And, um, then I go London to Stockholm and then, couple hours drive out to the islands in the southern part of the archipelago in Sweden. So we rented an Airbnb on an island called Runmaro, um, where we'll stay for a few days, like Wednesday to Saturday to have the opportunity to swim between some of the islands, kind of get used to like, just kind of what it's like out there on the water, practice some, you know, actual entries and exits from the islands, things like that, just fine tune gear um, all of that, because this is, this is a team race for people who maybe are, you know, if this is your first episode of iron women, go back and listen to some of the last of the last couple months where we've been kind of talking more about some of the details, or you can go to onewaterrace.com um, and kind of see more of what it's about. But I am racing with two other people and our support crew. So we're, a, we're a team of four all told. And yeah, it'll just give us time to like fine tune gear, all of that, um, out kind of like on a race site. And then Saturday we head back into Stockholm where we kind of start like official race happenings. So they have an event for us Saturday night where we get to meet the other athletes and then we get some of the race gear, like our, we all have bins. And so the bins are what's on our safety boat that kind of hold all of our gear. And that's what we're constrained to like keep basically all of our stuff in throughout the duration of the race, like all of our food, et cetera, all of that has to go into these bins. So those actually get packed and picked up on Sunday morning for us. And then they transport us separately on Sunday and we'll travel. I think it's like several hours up to the Northern point of the archipelago. I think there's, I'm sure a ferry involved. I don't know, some like car travel, potentially buses or something. 
Um, and so Sunday we get up to Arhoma, which is the island on the northern part where we start the race. And there's kind of like a like a camp type of thing with like cabins, I'm imagining, oh. I've been told. And like so the racer, like all the teams have their separate places to stay. And we kind of have this like compound for ourselves for Sunday and Monday to kind of be there at the starting point, prepare, get all of the rest of our gear and things together and just kind of be like, you know, all together in that location, which is really, really cool. Um, and then Monday, or yeah, so that's Monday, Monday will be final kind of race briefing and, and all of that. And then Tuesday morning, for some reason I have in my head that the race starts at 10 AM, but I'm not, I don't know. I need to double check myself on that. And I think an hour before the race start, we get our maps of the first segment. And so we get an hour to kind of plan that first route before the race starts. So, um, and again, for, for any new listeners, the race, you know, has a starting point and an ending point, but the middle five checkpoints like are kind of unknown at this point. And we get to see the final course kind of block by block as it unrolls, um, through the event, but we do navigate through the whole thing with map and compass along the way. Yeah. I'm like looking, okay. I just had to Google Sweden. Um, cause I just, I need a visual of, of what this, what this archipelago, I just Googled the one water, um, race website too. And there's no map as you mentioned, no. <laughs> but, um, I did find our, our Homa. I did find that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it is, it is North. Of yeah. And, and so, so this, you're coming. So we're going and where down the to part? land sort. Um, and there's like a big lighthouse, like a giant lighthouse. Oh, and that's wow. the ending point. Um, and it's pretty far south. So like, if you look at our home to land sort, it's like, whoa, that's a pretty I mean, it says, long way to swim run. Yeah. I am. I'm having trouble finding land sort. Um, but I am j- just like reading the website, you know, where it's like, six marathons worth of running and 50 kilometers of swimming, um, all kinds of terrain, open sea, strong winds, currents, but a hundred thousand dollar prize purse. I know. So <laughs> I mean, bring it on. The things we do for money, right? Yeah. No. So yeah. um, there, I mean, there is good money on the line. First place is 60,000, um, down to fifth place is like 3000. So, um, you know, certainly not chump change by any stretch of the imagination. And it's, you know, it's good to have one more incentive to keep going when surely we aren't going to really feel like it, but they are pushing out, um, like an eight part series on YouTube, uh, these days. So if you follow me on Instagram, you'll see me kind of sharing those as they come out. They've done, I think three of them and those give a really good overview of the entire adventure. And, um, they have a lot of from the teams last year. And then they have done a lot of footage with us already this year. So um, there's, you know, you get to see kind of what people went through last year, what caused teams to stop, um, get kind of get to know some of the athletes returning for this year. And then us who are taking it on for the first time, you get to know us. So um, they are doing a good job with that. So be sure to, uh, to check those out as well. But Yeah, it's exciting. I haven't, I haven't like, I feel like I haven't traveled this long in a while. And I had in my head that not bringing a bike was going to make this like simple, but then it's never simple, Haley. It's just never simple. I have like a full, I have, I think I'm taking, I ended up with all of the dehydrated food meals that we'll be eating throughout the event. So I have like 25 dehydrated meals in my bag, you know, like things like that. And all of a sudden I'm just like, I have like three pull buoys. Right. And it's like, pull buoys are the most non- travel friendly item possible when it's, it's like, light. 
they are light that's true but like the big swim run ones too are just like so big and buoyant which is great when you're swimming with them but not when you're trying to stuff them into a suitcase so, oh, so you're um, still checking quite a bit of luggage yeah you gotta have that long layover in London yeah I have well I'm hopefully only gonna have to check my one I have like a hundred liter duffel bag um okay. and so hopefully that's what gets checked and then I'll have a carry-on in a backpack so um yeah it'll be it'll be an adventure but I'm looking it forward sounds like to there's- it is there tracking any tracking there or? is supposed to be tracking last year was pretty spotty they think that they have improved it for this year though so there will be I will post all that they are also claiming to have a live broadcast and wow. I am not entirely sure what that is going to entail but even if they give like tiny bits of information that like we're alive we're still going that kind of thing it'll be fun so um I'll share those links but they're definitely be pushing them out on Instagram as well too I think they need the drone operators from the PTO events um, yeah (laughs) that footage was great yeah um but uh yeah well that's cool well good luck you know I hope safe travels everything makes it and I look forward to following this body coverage thank Uh, you yeah thanks and Haley I think you are like you know probably deep into some Kona training for yourself but I'm excited to see that we have a lot of like other racing, like you said, coming, happening this week that will hopefully be like online. You can be watching some of it while you train, maybe getting some inspiration from some of these things. Like, Oh, I don't know the Olympic test event in Paris, which is pretty exciting. I think that'll be fun to watch. Right. And I think you looked up, you looked up some times for us um, because these things are happening. PTO Singapore happening this weekend, Paris test event. I'm in Montreal, I'm in Kalmar in Sweden. I mean, a lot of things happening all over the world. Um, and you looked up some times and broadcasts, right? Yes. So some things might be conducive to you to watch during training, but some things might not. So I'll let you decide, <laughs> but for the Paris test event, Haley. So there are four days of action in Paris with elite individual, obviously people are elite if they're, you know, going to the test event, um, taking, so that individual elite races are taking place on Thursday and Friday paratriathlon on Saturday and mixed relay on Sunday. I actually I really like this order of things. Um, Thursday ladies are going first. So elite women, individual race starts at, sorry, I'm just reading these local times and 2 AM Eastern standard time in the United States, which makes it a solid whopping midnight for you. So okay. yeah, right at the turn of the day on Thursday, Haley, you can just watch that women, uh, women's race. Then Friday, same thing for the men. So boom, you're just going to flip-flop become nocturnal for the next few days because Saturday, same thing for the paratriathlon event. And then mixed relay, what would you, what would you guess the time's going to be for you, Haley? (laughs) Midnight again. (laughs) Yes. And, but this actually works out perfectly because as you said, there's also the PTO open happening in Singapore and those races are happening Saturday and Sunday. And I believe Haley, that is going to start around 1 1 a.m. Your time. So this is perfect because the distances here of the Olympic is test event is short, right? Yeah. Like well, sprint distance para try should be like sprint distance, right? And then para try mix- and mixed relay is well shorter, but mixed relay has four athletes going. But then and then Olympic proper Olympic distance for the individual test event race. Um, but I guess. But that's that's Thursday. That's like Thursday Friday. Oh yeah, that's true. That's oh yeah, early. So, that's so I just yeah. like gotta be up from midnight to like 
7 a.m. Yes. <laughs> Every then, day, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. <laughs> it'll be no problem. I mean, our new, our new sponsor, our new um pillar performance sponsor, you know, I'll just take my magnesium at like, like 2 p.m. <laughs> take a little nap <laughs> and wake up and watch the action. Yeah. I'm sure that'll work out really, really well. So um, yeah, we'll talk in two weeks to just to find hey, out. But exactly you can went, watch but... this. Like if you have Wi-Fi from Sweden, you could totally be watching stuff like in real time and pretty, pretty decent time. And yeah, then because... get pumped for your race. Oh, I'm kind of jealous of your oh, European that's adventure. True. And oh my gosh, I'm going to be like with an Olympian to give me the play-by-play coverage. Oh, Jared Shoemaker. Yeah. yeah. So like, I have to let him know that he's going to have me banging on his door at eight local time, eight central Europe time. There you go. We're going to be, Jared likes his sleep. So he better get ready for this. <laughs> I'll give him some pillar the night before too, to make sure he's fully rested for that time. <laughs> yes, there you go. <laughs> but I do think it's a very exciting. I mean, I love the Olympics. And so I'm loving watching you know, athletes qualify for the Olympics because the test event um, is a way that at least U.S. athletes I know can potentially qualify for those Paris Olympics. So this is their first opportunity. Very exciting. And then I also do love the PTO um, races. I just think the coverage is really good. I think, you know, we'll have a few different athletes that Singapore event. I mean, it starts, it's, you know, whatever, 1 a.m. for me, but 3 p.m. Singapore time, which sounds very warm. Yeah, it sounds very humid. (laughs) I've been to Singapore once and it was very, very humid. Yeah. Back in like 2008. And it's a, I, I loved it. I was not doing anything athletic there. Um, but it was very, what were you doing? (laughs) Um, I, I can't, I can't imagine anyone going anywhere for something non-athletic or the Taylor Swift concert. No, I had a friend in prep school who like they lived, their dad was like, um, worked for Heinz of Asia. And so they lived in Singapore like half the time, but then the kids went to school in Ohio actually. So um, that was where I met them. And then, yeah, I went to on like, I was like, I've never been to Singapore. So I got to go. Um, it was and, cool. Yeah, it was definitely I cool. Mean, I it's think hard the- to get to. It's very long travel. Um, but the people are really nice. They're very into triathlon there. They love like active, like for a small island. It's like a very active place. I do remember that. I do think there's at like 6,000 age groupers racing and it's Whoa. a PTO like put on event. Yeah. I think that they announced that when we were in Milwaukee, they talked about that. So it's going to be, um, really cool. I think that's going to be like visually stunning to watch that race. So, um, part of me wishes I was there. Part of me is, um, glad to not be racing at 3 PM in Asia, but um, we will get a play by play. I, I did run into Sarah true at the pool the other day, um, competition. She's swimming pretty fast. So I don't know. Um, but she, I think is flying out to Singapore today. And then we are actually going to be interviewing Sarah, uh, after she gets back for one of our kind of Kona preview episodes. And I'm sure she'll give us the the lowdown on exactly how it all went at Singapore. So that's exciting too. We'll have a first and account. Very exciting. Good luck to her. And, uh, speaking of Kona, like you mentioned, I think this is last weekend for women to qualify for Kona. So that's why we'll see women getting those final slots in Tromblant and Kalmar, Sweden. So very excited. I, oh gosh, I wish I was in Tromblant because I love that race so much. And I'm actually super excited, super sad that I think this is the last year, the full Ironman there. And, um, it's always been a very special race to me, didn't quite have it in me to do another Ironman this year, but I really wish all everyone, you know, just a really, really good day there. It's such a great event. Yeah. I think that, um, it'll be exciting to see who ends up with these last few spots coming out of those two races. 
Yes. Also, um, the Clash documentary uh, is airing on, I think, FS1 and FS2 this week. And then next week, it'll be on the Clash YouTube, like an unedited. And I think Alicia Kay, Jared's wife, um, who has also been a, a guest on the podcast as both a competitor and uh, she's worked a for retired Clash. competitor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, we've had her on the guest on the show a couple of times. Um, and now she's into video production and I think she did a lot of work on this and I'm really, really excited to see. I think we're, as you mentioned, we're recording this on Monday. I think it airs tonight for the first time. So I'm going to try to catch that, but, um, excited to see Alicia's work and just, uh, relive that race, the clash Miami from earlier this year. I think it'll be, uh, very cool because they do such a good job getting video at those races when we're on the loops. And it's just, I don't know. I think those kind of things help me motivate me to seeing the races from a slightly different perspective than like actually in it. Yeah. I definitely have that planned to be queued up in my travels. I'm like watching only motivational, inspirational things like these kind of, you know, sporting events. I have Ted Lasso downloaded. I haven't watched the latest season yet. So I'm going to be watching that in my travel. How do you do that? How do you not watch immediately? What? I know. <laughs> it's been over for like months. I know. And I, I like actually managed, I feel like to not see any spoilers and stuff of it too. So I, I'm really proud of myself and I like, yeah, I don't, I, I mean, I ask myself these same questions. I think I've just been in in the pool these last few months, Haley is like probably Fair a good That's place a to have like, Yeah. If you're not riding the trainer, you're not yeah. going to bike or anything like, yeah, my TV watching, I'm not like, seeing it as much. Yeah. Like, yeah. You can't, you can't really multitask in the pool, but, um, how is your knee doing? I mean, I know we're like going on and on, but I just wanted a quick knee update as you're, as you're traveling, how is the taper going? I mean, do you taper for this kind of an event? Uh, so the taper is definitely different for this kind of an event because my, of my knee. Um, and it has been so like back and forth with progress and things like that. I think, you know, two to three weeks ago, it wasn't doing great. So we actually had to kind of pull things back, give it a little bit of a rest. And then the hope was that the little rest would allow us to do a big push here, which we have been doing for the last, like, you know, it'll be 10 days or so and it finishes up tomorrow. And then I'll get like a week of tapering heading into the race. Um, and I think for a, a heavy swim race like that, that's actually pretty good. Um, I don't, you know, I think you can kind of keep swim volume up a good bit. Um, and I, I'm very happy to report that as we did build again on my knee, like we, um, it was much more successful. And so I am, I'm feeling very optimistic. I mean, I, have not been able to do any super long training runs on it or anything like that, but have definitely spent some good time on feet with it. And it's, you know, it's holding up. Um, it's certainly not a hundred percent, but I think I know that in an event like this, that like the mental side of things is, you know, as long as it's okay to move and not super painful, um, the, you know, staying strong mentally is really going to be like a lot more important in some ways. So, I am holding that fact near and dear to my heart. And yeah, I, I mean, I have some KT tape on it and we're doing like anything that could possibly make it feel a little bit better, but I, I think it's in a good spot finally, which is good timing, <laughs> you know, that, that is great to hear. And as I go on one last tangent, um, I saw like on your packing and on social media that you were packing some caffeine pills, which I thought was very interesting. I think I was listening to a recent like endurance icons podcast and they were talking about that a little bit. Um, I think even in relation to like the PTO us open, but it's starting at 4 PM, which I just did old fashioned coffee. But when you are doing a race like this, uh, where you're not sleeping for like several days, uh, how did those caffeine pills, how do they like 
work? Yeah, I've used them a few times in like FKT attempts and stuff um, to handle, help handle some of the sleep deprivation. And honestly, like, you know, I have done, caffeine is kind of caffeine to me. And um, a lot of times it just comes down to what, it, like how it makes sense to bring that caffeine form. And so for this race, because we are so limited on space, it's not like we can pack you know, tons and tons of Coca-Cola and like Mountain Dew and Red Bull and things like that. We can't like, we don't have room for that on the boat. Right. And then, um, the, even like noon tabs, caffeinated noon tabs, which I've done, like I'll just chew the noon tab that's caffeinated. And, um, those, you know, if I'm in and out of the water, like they're going to get not, they're going to lose their form. Right. So, um, being able to just be handed like a small caffeine pill is like such an easy, way to get caffeine when it comes to that. And so, I mean, we are being told by the race director here that he's expecting the first place team to come in around 55 hours, which is pretty crazy. And so we're supposed to be staying within eight hours. So that would mean, you know, the teams are finishing upwards of 63 hours, which is a long time to go without sleep. And so, I mean, my personal strategy is going to be go as long as I can into that first 24 hours um, without taking any like caffeinated gels, nothing like that. And then after that, I can kind of, you know, hopefully I'll start with like what I would call the small doses of caffeine, like the caffeinated gels, you know, the things that have like 25 milligrams, 50 milligrams, things like that. And then as it progresses, um, kind of up the ante a bit and go for the caffeine pills as it gets later and later, those have 200 milligrams of caffeine in them. So definitely a heavy hit. Um, can you feel you know, it? Does it feel different? I mean, yeah, it feels like, I mean, it's crazy. Cause like you take it and then like, I don't know, 20 minutes later or so 30 minutes later, it's like, all of a, and it's a weird feeling like it's good and bad. Like all of a sudden the way I feel is like all of a sudden everything gets back into like crystal clear vision. Right. And like, things are just like not blurry, not like, you know, everything's just like in HD all of a sudden, right. That you're seeing. But the thing I don't love about it is that like the caffeine, I think it almost makes me feel like my body is moving faster than my mind is. And so, you know, my thoughts like always are just kind of like, you can, you almost have this awareness that like your thoughts are one step behind what you're seeing and what you're like, doing and things like that. Um, so it's a, it's just a very weird feeling, but which is sleep de deprivation in itself. Right. So, um, but it does, it definitely ups the alertness a bit. Um, you just have to, you can't like keep shoveling it in. Cause then you're like, you know, your heart rate's kind of all over the place and things like that. So it definitely requires, you wouldn't do this for, you would not do caffeine pills for like a regular half Ironman kind of, event. I wouldn't, I'm sure there are people who do it. Um, and you know, it could be worth like, I don't know, experimenting at some level, but I, I've always found that you get plenty of what you need through the Coke on course or the Red Bull on course and things like that. I, I think this is like an extreme measure type of situation. Yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe there is hope for me someday to do something that lasts um, more than nine hours. But yeah. <laughs> I'll wait. I'll wait. Uh, I'm excited for you, Alyssa. Thank you for, for sharing all that. And I heard we got a couple questions into our mailbag. And so we are going to answer one today, which I'm very excited about. Yes. So mailbag questions can always come to ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. I love this one. Um, it came in from an athlete who is training for a very big race, doing a lot of running miles. And she tells us that on Sunday she was getting ice cream and she got frustrated with four people talking loudly and their dogs. And she, 
she said she turned to her boyfriend and was like, you know, when I get tired, I don't like dogs. And I know I love dogs. Right. But she's like tired and she's saying she doesn't like dogs. So she is asking us for some advice about how to deal with like managing people who might be a little bit annoying or things like that. Just when you're tired and when you're training a lot. Um, she thought that maybe you can pretend like you're a tired parent and you have to be nice to your kids, which could be very challenging at times. I'm sure if you're a parent in general, let alone a parent training for like an Ironman or something. So she's curious, Haley, how do we not get frustrated or annoyed with people in general while we're tired? This is such a fun question. <laughs> I'm just wondering, am I always tired or I'm always frustrated and annoyed? <laughs> I I feel like in general, I'm a fairly misanthropic person. And I actually feel like that can be like useful for um, events like Ironman or long events, just being like, I dislike everyone and everything. And, um, and you just kind of race with that general dislike and frustration and it can power you along. <laughs> Which is so funny to hear you say that though, because I feel like you are one of like the friendliest, non like not person I would never suspect is like living in that headspace, you know? So you, you I hide it well. Is to show, yeah, your whatever your secret is. It's the like, caffeine pills. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, no, I mean I try, I do think, okay, one thing I will say, she was doing a really good job of getting ice cream. Mm -hmm. I yes. find that usually when I am feeling like extra tired, frustrated, number one or number the two top things are food and hydration. Mm -hmm. Like that can honestly change things around massively. And it yep. is something like ice cream. Like you need that hit of calories, happiness, nostalgia, all of that. And so maybe that was one of her problems was that she was in line. And like, if, if, you know, 10 minutes later, when she's like halfway through that cone, she probably would be like, I love dogs. <laughs> yes. No, I agree. I, that's like why I have emergency snacks in like, you know, I, I keep like candy. Like a lot of times for me, it's like sugar really helps me. So like I have Swedish fish in my, like, you know, my car console and my purse and my like swim bag, like things like that. Um, I really like orange slices too. I think that's probably like also nostalgic from my childhood, but like those things soccer. are always, yeah. <laughs> childhood soccer. Wait, no, like the candy ones. That are oh, oh my, like actual slices of oranges. Oh, candy. No, that would be much healthier than what I am doing. So, um, but so having emergency snacks of whatever type is going to, you know, cause like, I just know that about myself. Usually it's like a quick hit of sugar helps me kind of regain my focus. But I think, I think communicating it is like really good. Like, I think it's good that she turned to her boyfriend and was like, okay, I like, you know, I know I'm just tired. Like, I know this isn't rational thoughts I'm having, you know, I think that helps a lot because then you have, you're not like holding it in. And I think that makes it worse. And that makes like the annoying, whatever this poor dog was doing, that was annoying. Like it makes it so much worse, right? Like it's so much easier to say it out loud. And then you can kind of joke about it, oh, have a moment and get past it. But I mean, there's a reason that I live a generally isolated life too, I think. Um, and I, you know, like I like it that way. I think it allows me to be tired and not have a ton of interactions because I do think this is like, a, this is a challenge, you know, like you're, you're just less able to tolerate it when you are tired. But I think having snacks, trying to just, you know, maybe you can look at your training and kind of approximate like those times when you might be a little bit more on edge and like, what can you do? Can you meal prep more? Can you have more protein powder in the house so that you have emergency shakes, right? Like make sure you're shoveling, planning for the calories aspect, planning for good sleep aspect. And then, you know, I think, yeah, making sure whoever's around you just is aware that so that you don't have to like 
fake it, I think is helpful. I, and I agree. I do think being able to talk to someone about it. So like not talking to the loud people, like don't right. talk to them, yeah. but like talk to, you know, your trusted person who's with you and just be like, those people are talking so loud and just like, just say your annoyance, like you said, but like, do not say it to the person. So if you're, yeah. if your boyfriend is annoying, you probably don't say it to him to have a call a friend, call your mom, yeah. call do someone else. Text. Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's like one of those things that I feel like I learned in therapy is like, where it's like very healthy to like vent about someone, but not to the person. Like right. it's nice to have a confidential third party or third party pass get things confidential because then you can just say these terrible things that you don't really mean it is just like you're fatigue talking mm -hmm. um and you can just get it out and then you also realize how silly it sounds sometimes where you're like why you know but I mean I guess you can tell a dog that a dog is annoying you and they probably are going to be okay but um but it's probably not the dog it is probably you know you just need to get that ice cream in you no oh actually sometimes it is the dog though Haley Max <laughs> ate Max ate five paydays out of my luggage oh, that man. I had packed Fun size paydays, fun size paydays. <laughs> Five At least of there's them. no chocolate, right? Because that's just no, like nuts yeah, and everything. It's like he'll be fine. And of course, like one of my teammates for one water is a vet, so I'm like texting, like, uh oh, Max ate fuel. Oh. Like, sorry, we want to paydays. And then also, Steve, will Max be okay? And he's like, yeah, it's just gonna maybe give him a little upset stomach, but he's fine, totally fine. Uh, I mean, okay, but there's the other thing. Maybe your frustration is totally justified. It is yes. not that you're tired. <laughs> it is just that people and dogs can be annoying. And you know, it is. And just, you know, go, go uh take some pillar performance and take a nap. <laughs> but it happens, it will pass, and then you'll be like, oh, remember that time I like yelled at the dog at the ice cream place? And it'll just be like a fun, silly memory. Um, but thanks yeah. for that question. And you're not alone. You're not, not alone. alone. <laughs> not alone. Uh, always send in mailbag questions to ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. Haley, one race that's coming up soon, but not this weekend, next weekend is the Ironman 70.3 World Championships in Finland. And we have a very special guest this week. That's right. I think a lot of... Uh, pro and age group athletes are headed to Finland over the next few days. And so we wanted to get hyped, hyped for the 70.3 world championships. So we, today we are talking to Haney Hardikainen and she is a professional triathlete from Helsinki, Finland. And Haney started racing professionally about five years ago. She quickly made her mark on the long course scene with podium finishes at Ironman Switzerland and Norseman extreme triathlon. She also finished fourth at last year's women's Ironman European championships in Hamburg. We talked to Haney about her career, and as we had this conversation, she is actually preparing to race Ironman Kalmar in Sweden, which is happening this weekend. So while she is focused on the full distance race in Kalmar instead of the 70.3 World Championships happening in her home country the following week, Haney does know a lot, lot about Lati, Finland, where those World Championships are happening. And so she gave us all the details on the course and what to expect. So if you are preparing to travel to Finland for those 70.3 world championships, you'll want to hear Haney's tips. And if you're not, well, then you're like me and you probably are feeling a lot of FOMO, but you'll be ready to spectate in whatever time zone you're in. We uh, will have that conversation with Haney right after the break. Hi, Haney. Welcome to the Iron Women podcast. Hello. Thank you for having me. So we're, we're recording this interview in mid-July. And in preparation for our conversation, I looked up the weather and the daylight hours in Helsinki. And I think your high temperature right now is around 70 degrees Fahrenheit, 20 degrees Celsius, with lows in the 50s Fahrenheit, 10 degrees Celsius. 
and you have sunlight from 4 a.m. to 10.30 p.m. So is summer training in Finland just the best thing ever? It is actually, yeah. Now it's, yeah, it's correct. It's about 20 Celsius degrees, but uh, we actually had a rather uh, hot period already in June. So it was in Celsius like plus 30. So it's oh, great wow. to train here in, in summertime. It's light, like almost the whole 24 hours. But yeah, it's really different what we have in winter. <laughs> so that's winter is the challenge. But now at the moment, it's really nice, actually. Do you start yeah. sessions really early in the morning or go really late at night just because it's light out? Um, yeah, I don't start really early. I'm not a really morning, morning person. So um, yeah, usually like well in the morning. But yeah, we have the possibility to train like rather late in the evening because it's difficult to sleep so early because it's yeah, at the moment, I think it gets dark like. It doesn't get that dark at all, but it's around 11 o'clock in the evening. Wow. I feel like for people who have trouble sleeping, they could just get up in the middle of the night and be like, all right, I might may as well just hit it now because it's like, yeah, it, that, 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 is, that, that is true. Yeah. And Haney, your 2022 season started with solid results at 70.3 Kreikau, I believe is how we say that. And um, yeah. that's where you finished 10th. And then a fifth place finish at 70.3 Switzerland, but unfortunately illness kept you out of Ironman Frankfurt. So how are you feeling now? And are you able to make some race plans for later this summer? Yeah. Um, yeah. Frankfurt was my big goal and yeah, I prefer uh, racing in the full distance. So I was a little bit sad because yeah, I got a flu and it lasted almost two weeks. So I had to cancel that one. And then I actually signed up for the Vitoria, Ironman Vitoria in Spain, which is this Sunday. But I think that came a bit too too quickly. So now my pl plan is to race in Ironman Kalmar in August. So I have still rather, uh, I think, five or six weeks time to train. So that will be now looking at uh, back like now my A race for the for uh, for this season. And then, then we will see if I qualify for Kona or whether I do another Ironman in, in October. So that's my plan at the moment. Yeah, Kalmar, Sweden. I think that this year will be a pro women's race only. So you'll get that experience I think you were going for in Frankfurt. Is that right? Yeah, that is. And it's kind of, uh, I've actually never raced in, in Sweden, even though it's really near. It's our neighbor country. And it's we can uh, travel there by car. But yeah, that will be my first race in Sweden. And it uh, the atmosphere is uh, really nice. Uh, there's a lot of people in the small, it's a small town, so, uh, looking at the swim and, and the run. So I'm really looking forward to like experience what is, how is it in Sweden? <laughs> Yeah, that should be a great race. And as you mentioned, you seem to favor the Ironman distance. You've had podium finishes at Ironman Switzerland and Ironman Austria. Uh, you had fourth place finish at Hamburg last year. So is is are those long distance triathlons, is that what drew you to triathlon initially? Um, well, yeah, actually, yes. <laughs> I started in, in, in age grouper and I first raced, I think, three uh, 70.3s. And then I had only one year experience of triathlon before I signed up for the full distance. And um, it was uh, seven years ago and I did a sub 10 hours already then and I loved it. And the next year, um, no, two years after that, I, I turned professional and, and yeah, I've immediately saw that uh, my strengths are in the full distance, even though I like also 70.3, but I like the swim speed there. <laughs> so that's kind of also from the practical practical perspective of doing better in, in the full distance. 
Yeah. And so, you know, if, if someone's looking back at your results, they'll see that podium as an age grouper grouper in Kona in 2017. And then you went pro in 2018 and your rookie pro season though, was like a little unconventional. So you finished second at the Norseman extreme triathlon, which is something a lot of times we're seeing pros now throw in kind of at the end of careers, right? Not quite the beginning. Um, and you also raced the 70.3 world championships in South Africa. So were you trying to gain a variety of experiences and different courses and elements and things like that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So I raced a lot in 2018 and it was more of kind of uh, momentum of each race that, okay, I want to do this. I wanted to just race uh, the races I wanted to actually do because the 2017 and my age group Kona, I, I, uh, I was already mentally really tired when I got there and I, I, I finished in the podium, but I was kind of, my season had gone already and I wasn't happy with the, with the experience and, and with my results. So I took a kind of different perspective to my first professional year. And uh, yeah, I lived at the, at the, at the moment uh, in 2018, I lived in Norway. So that's why it was easy to do the Norseman. It was kind of the thing when you live in Norway, you do that. And I had a great race, uh, finished second. Um, and I think I still have the second best time there. So uh, yeah. Um, but then later that after that, I have... I have actually focused more on uh, particular uh, full distance races and uh, had like proper training blocks towards them. So it's, it has changed quite a lot during the years. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit more about Norseman? What, what was that like for, for those of us who aren't as familiar with the race? Yeah, it's a, it's a full distance race. Uh, it's exactly the, like the Ironman distance, but it's totally different. It's less than 300 uh, athletes. And everyone needs to have their own support car with the two support persons. So, and and the swim is in a in a cold uh, river, uh, and you see that like, like I don't know what it's called in English, but it's kind of mountains, and then the river is like between them, and yeah, and it's point to point and really beautiful. It starts uh, five a.m. in the morning, and but before that, at four a.m. in the morning, the ferry takes the athletes to the start point. And, and it's, it's dark. pitch dark. So yeah, you're it's pitch dark, <laughs> for but in ex- Finland, it's like the opposite of what you would want. I feel like. Yeah. But exactly just before 5 a.m. It gets light, enough light that they uh, people people um, can navigate in the swim. But uh, yeah, it's easy to navigate. It's only one direction. And then after that, usually, well, that year it wasn't so cold, but usually people are really cold when they come to the transitions. But your support people can help you get out of the wetsuit and change the stuff and then starts the really uh, hilly bike and um it's really it's, it's also point to point and it's really beautiful i think uh, the atmosphere is kind of magical you go through a tunnel you go above many mountains and also the the um, descending is really nice i like that that part of especially and in ends in an um, the marathon starts in a, also another different kind of lake along the lake uh, first 25 kilometers are kind of flat on asphalt, like a normal asphalt road, but it ends, the marathon ends in a, in a mountain. So the last uh, part of the whole marathon is climbing a lot. And there are spectators like, because you go up and it's, it doesn't go so fast. It's like 10% uphill. Uh, <laughs> so, but yeah, I think um, that the, the fun thing and also the, I think, mentally challenging thing is that you, ha- you have your own support personnel 
so if you come through uh, go through like really difficult moments, they can push you even go harder. So I think that is the race where I could mentally push myself to the limits because you know that your friend is every time saying, hey, don't walk, run, run. <laughs> and that kind of, uh, so it was fun, but it was still still really hard, I think. I had a friend like that at a recent Ironman um, helping me out a little bit. Uh, when you yeah. finish a race like Norseman, are you, do you feel like you get a different sense of accomplishment than a typical Ironman race because, because the conditions and the course are so hard or is the feeling similar to a, to a regular Ironman? They're hard no matter what. Well, I think, yeah, I think it's rather similar actually, but it's more like, uh, I don't know if I will do Norseman as uh, my, a second time. So you get, I, I, I had a little bit like the experience that I will do this only once so I have to enjoy it, and, and that's why I push hard. Uh, um, like, but but Ironmans, um, I don't know when would be my last last one. So you you always have the second chance, kind of. But in general, it's it's anyway a full distance triathlon. So it's kind of there. Is, there are differences, but in, on the other hand, it's still it's still a triathlon. And Haney, last year you traveled to Kona to race your first professional Ironman World Championship, but unfortunately you tested positive for COVID just days before the race and you weren't able to start. And it's like so heartbreaking, right? Like our hearts break for you knowing everything that goes into the training and the trip and all of that. But, you know, now looking back, have you been able to learn and grow and kind of accept that experience or is it still just like, you know, oh, tough pill to swallow either way, I think. Yeah, I think it's already in in my history that I don't I don't think about it that much that I had the like the worst case that you can actually experience that I I was there four weeks, and and uh, then three days before I think it, our race was like Thursday so on Monday evening I had a fever and then I realized okay this is COVID, um and then um, I think I I gathered myself rather well in, in on Hawaii but when I came back and tried to focus still one more Ironman Israel which was in November. So I was mentally totally empty. I had nothing, <laughs> nothing left. And I think it lasted a few months. Then I realized that, okay, I put so much because at the moment I have a side job, but last year I didn't have. So I focused more and used a lot of personal, like my own money to get there and be there. And then I realized that, yeah, I just wasted, kind of wasted the chance. But on the other hand, I see that I didn't really, it, 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 the, the race itself was the, was the goal. But you get, like you say, you get the experience of uh, for the whole preparation and being there. So uh, hopefully, I will. I got the experience if I go there this year or some other year. So at the moment, I'm not anymore thinking that much. That okay, I had, <laughs> I I experienced what is the nightmare, because I don't want to. T- if I go there this year, I don't want to be so scared again that it might happen happen again because then it will for sure ha- happen. <laughs> but yeah. No, your next Kona experience is going to be totally different. And you'll be on that start line. And you'll be so, so happy because you're like, Hey, I'm here. I did the first thing and I got myself here because I think that is something that's harder than people think to get yourself to the start line. Healthy is, is always the first part of the challenge of race day. Um, mm. we mentioned the nice weather in Finland right now, and you alluded to the flip side being that, uh, the winters are pretty cold and very little daylight. So how do you manage your winter training? Um, yeah, that's, that is a challenge. And I think that's every year. It depends how the weather is because it, it, it varies quite a lot. So I actually do, you know, cross-country skiing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I do quite a lot of cross-country skiing if we have a good weather, uh, winter, 
So that means that we have snow in southern part of Finland. So that gives kind of a lot of var variety for me that I have. I can uh, do the hours outdoors and then I can do indoors the hard sessions like on, on the bike and on the on, on treadmill on, on the run. But if it's a bad weather and you can't really go skiing, but you can't go cycling either because it's too cold. So then I think it's challenging and uh, we need to go to Spain or something to get some kind of those happy hours outdoors. But it, it is a lot of indoor hours here. <laughs> the darkness in self, itself, it's not it's not the um, challenge to train. I think you can the, uh, train when it's dark, but it, uh, it makes you tiring. I think so that's why the summertime um it's much easier that uh people are happier and, and have more energy <laughs> yeah i've definitely noticed i in the last few years i've moved somewhere that has longer summers with daylight but then also shorter daylight much shorter in the winter and you definitely notice your body wants to yeah. sleep more in the winter and wants to rest more you know so it's um i think you just can't fight it maybe you know if you mm -hmm. if you fight it i think that's where trouble can come in but um, you mentioned that this year you started working again part-time, um, and we think that maybe you're an engineer or an IT consultant or something along those lines. I don't know if that's yeah. the, the, okay. Um, yeah. can you tell us a little bit about how that, what that is and how that day job fits in with your pro racing career? Yeah, I have worried uh, uh, when I turned pro. Actually, I started already the last year as, uh, when being an age grouper, uh, to working only part-time. Uh, first, it was 80%, and at the moment, uh, it's 60% when I work and I took longer leaves, uh, summer holidays, winter holidays to go to training camps. So I work three days a week. And, and those days, uh, I do less training, and the four days, other four days, it's usually full training days. Hmm. Um, sometimes it works really well, sometimes I'm too tired, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, but yeah, so I work um, as an IT consultant in e-commerce. So um, I work in a company that we build uh, web shops and um, that, that makes it quite nice because I've been in the same, same industry already like 12 years. So it's, I've, um, I'm a little bit interested to take part, uh, to take some new challenges in my work career, but at the moment, I think I have seen it. It works well with this triathlon to have something that I know well and has at, at the, the last uh, employer uh, has supported me quite well. So. And, and yeah, last year I had 10 months of warm work. So I took a leave on a leave of absence and um, yeah, that work, work uh, worked nicely as well. But yeah, I saw that this year um, uh, is the year that I need to do some, earn some more like kind of stable money and next year we'll see what happens. But And are you able to work from home on the three days when you're working? Yeah. Yes. That makes a big difference too. Yeah. yeah so I, I've been, I, I can say that I've been at the office this year three times. <laughs> Um, Haney, each year, the UN Sustainable Development Solutions Network releases its annual World Happiness Report, and Finland has been at the top of the list for the past six years. The rankings are judged by uh, healthy life expectancy, uh, GDP per capita, social support, low corruption, generosity in a community where people look after each other, and freedom to make key life decisions. Um, I'm, I can imagine being a Finnish woman that you get this question all the time, but do you individually feel like Finland meets the criteria as the happiest place on earth? Um. Yes and no. Sometimes I'm still surprised that, oh, we won this again because uh, I've, I've seen the results. But on the other hand, when I uh, read the details, 
then I, I think it is true. But I don't know what happens in the other countries as they're not <laughs> similar. So, but yeah, um, I can recognize uh, recognize what is written for, uh, about us. So, and I'm happy uh, happy that uh, how the things are here. So, we can send you some of our uh, our doctor's bills <laughs> that you might understand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's one of the nice, th nice things here. But yeah, I've lived, yeah, as, as I said, I've lived four years in Norway and it's kind of similar, but they are still lower in the rankings and not much, but a little bit. So, uh, and for me, it's actually, un un um, I can't recognize that where the differences come from, but it might be that um, I have still the Finnish mentality, even though I were, uh, would live somewhere else. <laughs> so, yeah. And Sisu is a Finnish term, I believe, that we've heard um, retired Finnish Ironman pro Kaisa Sali use. And I think there's a couple other foundations and similar that some triathlon pros do uh, work for that use that term. And we recently looked it up and it kind of translates to a grim determination in the face of hardships. So it definitely sounds like an outlook that would be great for Ironman racing and training. Do you feel like that is ingrained in you? Oh yeah, I think so. I think I can say that I have had some dark periods in my in the recent years, but um, um, I think it's some some somehow built in our um, in everyone's like head in in Finland. And and one reason is for sure that uh, we have the dark winters and we have a dark uh, history on our, because we were part of Russia, we were part of uh, Sweden in in our past, and then we got the independence, and then people kind of uh, know that somehow in order to have the power, not power, but maybe the strength, uh, you need to have some kind of uh, background that what, what makes you strong. And I think I've, I've faced also some things that I'm really grateful just when, it, when, it, when I have some positive uh, kind of periods that uh, I get the strength from some negative things, <laughs> or I don't say negative things, but somehow to know, know that, uh, it's only like uh, happens uh, a bad thing happens for a time, so you have to be be positive, positive uh, even though it's not going the best. So that's why I'm also looking at my what happened last year. <laughs> so seeing that as a kind of uh, not so much looking back and and uh, craving in the negativeness, but yeah. The but yeah, about Sisu, actually, yeah, yeah, I love this. Yeah, <laughs> but Sisu okay. is actually not kind of yeah, a funny thing, but. It actually doesn't have a translation, hmm. and I don't know what what uh, where the word actually comes from. But because it, there is a also really bad tasting Finnish candy which has the same name, <laughs> so I don't know how people actually. When, if, if you come here for the seventy point three words, you have to buy that because it tastes it doesn't taste good, <laughs> and it has the same name. So when I was a kid, I actually associated the term with with this candy. <laughs> oh man that will grim determination actually i mean if, if that's a rough translation i mean that doesn't sound it's not like super happy so maybe that's how candy is yeah, like it is the taste yeah. of, of determination it is um, it, it's horrible <laughs> yeah. we will we will encourage our listeners to uh try at their own risk but uh as you mentioned finland is hosting the 70.3 world championships and uh, you live in Helsinki, and I believe the location, Lati, am I saying that correct, is about an hour outside of Helsinki. And um, you are not planning to race this year. It's very close to that rate, the Ironman in Sweden. But we would love to hear your thoughts on Lati as a race site. Uh, do you think it's a good location for the world champs? 
Oh yeah, I think so. And I think it's actually much better than Helsinki, even though Helsinki is the capital uh, and the bigger city, but Lahti is a sports city. They arrange every year the ski cross country skiing um, winter games. And there, there's a lot of go- going also in summertime. So they know how to arrange sporting events. And it's a summer city with a lot of lakes, nice lakes for tourism and, and that one. So that's why I think it's as more compact and much nicer nicer uh, sports event uh, place. And the course features a point-to-point lake swim that we're assuming is wetsuit legal maybe, where I don't know if we just assume the water there is cool enough for the wetsuit legal racing. Um, and then a one loop rolling bike course through the countryside. So have you done much riding near there? And can you give us any insight into the terrain? Yeah. Yeah. So, so to swim, I think, yeah, definitely it will be a wetsuit legal. So they arranged the normal uh, 70.3, usually early July. I think it was like two, oh, was it last week or two weeks ago? It was age group only. And then it was near in the limit uh, to be without a wetsuit. But every year, it, I think it has been arranged already four times. So it's it has been a wetsuit legal. And in at the end of August, it's, it's a little bit cooler. So for sure. And it's um, usually the swim there is actually quite rough. There's a lot of, not a lot of, but there is a, it's a big lake. So it almost looks like a sea. So um, there will be some waves, but I think this this new course is uh, might be a little bit easier because it's along the the um, not coastline, but it's quite near the shore. Mm-hmm. So um so and uh, it's spe- spectator friendly because it's easier to see. So I think um, that might not be the reason why they change it, but it's kind of it was too. I think in the normal race, the start and end, there are too much audience, so they wanted to split split it so that there's enough space. Um, and the bike course, um, I haven't done the exact race course, uh, but I've been I've been riding the earlier the normal course, and I a few times actually ride from Helsinki to Lahti, and and that goes to that road where the race is, and. Um, what what could I say? It's um like they describe it's rolling hill hills uh, undulating course. Um, not too big hills. I think the the biggest hill hill is two kilometers. Uh, we don't have that longer here in southern Finland, <laughs> so that's the probably the longest what they can come up with uh, there. Um, so I think um it's a it's good uh, tarmac. And uh, use, uh, what people can actually look at, there's a lot of forest and some small villages. So it will be kind of, uh, honestly said, kind of a <laughs> lonely road for the fast people that they will see forests <laughs> and some lakes. Sometimes it's nice when it's lonely, though. You're like, you just focus, right? Yeah. Um, or maybe admire the scenery, depending on where you are. The Ironman website describes the run course as having an indoor-outdoor dynamic, which sounds very unique. And I believe the two-loop run starts indoors. So maybe it's an indoor transition area and then leads athletes over a bridge and into a stadium before running around the city and back toward the harbor. So do you have any tips for navigating the run course? Well, that indoor part is interesting. I don't know where that is. So that, to be <laughs> honest, uh, but I have actually done indoor that kind of similar things in, in Denmark. And I think it's always funny 
uh what because because it might be that they go through a museum or a library or something like that and then they then the run goes yeah goes exactly to this stadium and that stadium is a, one of the spectacular places in Lahti because it has those ski jumping towers behind them mm. and Lahti if you google Lahti you you will find that picture so um it goes there to show people the um the ski, uh, ski jumping place and the skiing tracks and then it goes actually um, next to a bigger bigger road and then the hilly part starts so I think on the run after two or three k there is also there is also a long, a long climb and then it goes to a neighborhood area after that which is uh, kind of flat and faster and it uh, the loop ends on along again along the same lake where people swim and that is where the normal course um, is, the no- normal run course is uh, from the 7.3. And I've been running there uh, several times. And that's really nice because there are some restaurants along the along the lake. And of, of for sure, quite a lot of spectators. So sounds- I think, yeah, yeah, it is. Um, it's not as rough. Uh, the run course as last year was in St. Shores, but it's not the, the, the fastest one, I can say. So there's a quite a quite a lot of like uh, climbing in the in the running, but I think the surface will be quite uh, it will be asphalt and fast from that point of view. But um, yeah, not the uh, fastest run course. I think this is a course that's going to set up for some exciting racing. That's for sure. And yeah. our a lot of our North American audience, at least, will be coming over probably with a few extra days to hopefully vacation a bit out there. So do you have any suggestions for post-race sightseeing or eating either in Lati or Helsinki? Um, yeah, I have one good uh, tip that if people take rental cars, which I assume that many take if they want to see more, more of Finland. So there is a, a really nice kind of a small village uh, near Lahti, which is called Vaksu. This is for sure difficult to say, <laughs> but Vaksu, and it's kind of really this kind of old fashioned wooden houses with uh shops and small like tourist shops and restaurants and cafes and it's also like lakeside so that one i would recommend um uh, to go it's uh less than 30 minute drive from from lahti and then another good tip is for sure to come to helsinki on the way to the airport and see our capital so this is the biggest biggest city city in finland or the only city <laughs> only city in finland um uh, for some summer sightseeing I am really jealous. I'm just jealous of all the people who are going to Finland. I'm like, this sounds amazing. Yeah, it's for uh, it's always, I think, a different kind of experience where you do these 70.3 words. And yeah, I myself was in, in South Africa and it's totally different what we have here. And I think it is. I spent there, I think, eight days. And it was also a nice experience that you go to a totally different uh, kind of country and have the possibility to see it. And I think for sure for Finland, also for many Americans and also from the people from the Central Europe and, and South Europe, uh, they have never been here. So, <laughs> yeah. And this idea of like really mild temps and just nice views sounds very appealing. Uh, Haney, we talked about Sisu and, but are there any other Finnish phrases that you suggest athletes learn to help be good visitors in Finland? Um. Yeah, I noted, uh, I took some notes about some sayings. Um, we drink a lot of coffee. I do myself. So what coffee in Finnish is kahvi. 
Kahvi. So you can, if you want to order one coffee, a cup of coffee, so you say kahvi kiitos. Kiitos is thank you. So that is a that is a nice word. Kiitos. That's a good yeah. one to know. Yeah. Another one which you probably hear here during the race day is tempia. That means good luck. So Finnish people, we don't, uh, yeah, the direct translation is not uh, good luck, but it kind of more that uh, do it well, that or that kind of way. So tempia. How do you say I'm sorry in Finnish? Uh-huh. <laughs> Olen pahoillani. Oh no, that's so long. That it ends up being my most used words in our in a foreign language. I'm always just like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> you can you can also say sorry. Okay. People get it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much for chatting with us today. We loved learning more about Finland and the 70.3 World Course. I think the athletes who are headed there to race are so so lucky, and I hope they enjoy it. And we loved learning more about you. And we will be wishing you the best at Ironman Sweden. And hopefully, maybe I'll see you in Hawaii. I hope so too. Yes. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much to Haney for coming on. That got me so pumped up to be heading to that part of the world, actually, because while I'm not racing in Finland, Sweden is quite close to Finland. So I'm imagining that some of kind of things are similar and I can't get, I can't, I just can't wait to get over there, get a taste of the culture, the landscape, all of that. And so, yeah, thanks so much for that preview. I know, Alyssa, I didn't ask, are you going to be able to do any sightseeing aside from the entire archipelago that you're transverse tra- is it transverse? Is that a right word? I don't yeah, even know. Yeah, sure. Uh, I'll, I'll think about that while I'm swimming the 50 kilometers, but, um, you know, not really. I mean, I'm sure we'll see a little bit here and there through some of the travels, like in and out of Stockholm and that sort of thing, but nothing, you know, specifically scheduled necessarily, because I mean, in my mind, I'm going to see plenty of Sweden over those couple of days. So, um, yeah, I think that's, that's the plan for now, but for everyone, can you give us a rundown of what they should be on the lookout for to be watching this week? Yeah, I think starting Thursday morning, Paris test event, uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, that goes all weekend. People vying for those Olympic spots and Paralympic spots. Then we have PTO Singapore happening on Saturday and Sunday, Ironman Montremblant and Ironman Kalmar, both happening on Sunday, I believe. And then that Clash documentary playing all this week, next week, uh, Clash Miami. And of course the one water race starting on Tuesday. So lots, lots to happen. Um, and then the following weekend, 70.3 worlds in, in Finland. So, so much, so much racing to follow and track and watch. And I'm here for all of it. Getting me through all my training. So best of luck to you, Alyssa, safe travels. I can't wait to hear about it when you get back and, um, have a great time. Thanks so much, Haley. Talk to you soon. You've been listening to the Iron Women podcast hosted by Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadeski. Iron Women is a production of Feisty Media and is edited by Lydia Russell and produced by Ella Natitian. Head to livefeisty.com to find more podcasts, stories, and fresh perspectives. Thanks for listening.